Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and relevant people on the planet. Hear their stories and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. Successful Minds with Patricia Barnowski-Schneider is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board and your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Hello and welcome back to Successful Minds. I'm your host, Patty Baranowski-Schneider. Today I'm joined by Gary Faye, Executive Life Strategist, Counselor, Coach, and Consultant. So welcome, Gary. Tell us a little bit about yourself. Great, Patricia. Thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's uh, it's great to be chatting with you today. And uh, yeah, I I uh, probably cover a few realms. Um, I, I spent a long part of my life uh, with the Australian Federal Police working in high-performance fields and um, I used to run the Australian Prime Minister's protection team and wow. <laughs> uh, also the commissioner's office. So I've I've lived a little bit of the high performance life. Um, busy. <laughs> but I also, yeah, I uh, I also suffered with uh, a major depressive disorder, and uh, that came out in a in a gambling addiction as well. And uh, ironically enough, that was during the most successful part of my career. Um, wow. And those struggles um, they led to. We might as well get it out early. They led to, uh, you know, that um, they led to me losing my career ultimately, uh, my reputation, uh, and also had me seriously considering the value of my own life. Um, I lost two million dollars to gambling, um, plus whatever else comes with um, the downside of losing career, family, and all those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. And you know, I was in a place where I needed to. Uh, not just get my act together, but um, figure out a system that I could live the next 40 or 50 years uh, in, a, in a successful way. And uh, I went away and I learned from and studied with and and, uh, and worked under experts around the world in neuroscience, psychology, peak performance, habit formation, uh, and ultimately built a system that saved me. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's been working um, ever since, you know, the last five, six, seven years, I've been fortunate enough to uh, work with people in high performance fields that, you know, just just have struggled a little bit with uh, with the way that they're living their lives. Even yeah. struggled in performance. I uh, work with a lot of athletes as well that you know struggle with with performance uh, and struggle in their personal lives. And uh, yeah, I've been fortunate enough to have taken what has what was a very dark part of my life and transition that to working with people that you know, much like myself, are, are in a a uh, high performance field, a successful field, but just not uh, achieving the things or the fulfillment that they think they should be having. Right. Wow. Can't wait to hear all about this. But I mean, good for you. I mean, I'm actually proud of you that you did. Ama- I mean, a lot of people take that road and they just keep going down with it. So you turned it around. That's awesome. And people learning from someone that. who's been there, done that, um, and not somebody who just read something with a textbook. It's very valuable. So that's pretty awesome. Yeah, thank you. Look, I certainly have found that that having the the lived experience part of it, and and it was part of my battle when I was struggling. That you know, if you're a high performer or a, an action taker or a problem solver, uh, it's very difficult to turn up to somebody's office and say, "Hey, I've I've got a problem." And uh, often, especially in this world, uh, it, it seems to resonate a lot more if if somebody has been through something, not not necessarily the same, but you know, we just don't know when we walk into a psychologist's office their their history, and and we still fear that judgment. And you know, I think having having lived both sides of the coin, or maybe you know, the 
the good side, the bad side, and then the better side, um, mm-hmm. it, it does allow an opportunity to resonate with, um, you know, with those high performers or, you know, the teams or the, or the businesses that I work with. That's awesome. Now we kind of touched on this a little bit. So I guess I was going to ask if you could share the journey from being the Australian federal police to becoming an executive life strategist and mental health coach. But I guess what were the pivotal moments that led to this trans- transformation? I yeah, guess it was I think when you the, reached, man. Yeah, the, look, there was um, there's probably a number along the way. And, and unfortunately, I, I think what happens to a lot of people is the noise gets louder and louder and uh, or the messages get louder and louder. And, you know, I, I battled this for for 10 years and probably the first seven, I wasn't even uh, aware of it myself um, or certainly not consciously anyway. And um, but but at times over that 10 year period, there's a little whisper in somewhere in your head that says, Things aren't going right. And the less you listen to that message, uh, unfortunately, the louder the noise has to get for you to, to listen to it. And, you know, over that that 10-year period, sure, there was that time that I, I was trying to mask it from myself. But then there started to come times of, you know, recognizing that I was withdrawing from valuable things to me. Um, you know, I, I've spoken about uh, being in a place where your children are hugging you and not wanting anything to do with being there in that cuddle, you know, the people mm-hmm. that love you the most or that you love the most and you don't want to be around them. Um, you know, that's a warning sign that that I didn't listen to. And, um, you know, having to beg, borrow and steal money if, if you are struggling to eat, pay mortgage or anything like that because of um, the decisions that you're making. Again, it's another big warning sign. Um, but, if you don't listen to them, they get louder and louder. And ultimately, I made some uh, silly decisions with my work credit card and had I had to have a conversation with our deputy commissioner about um, what was going on there. And, and that led to me leaving the Australian Federal Police uh, in not very nice terms. Um, not the way I would have liked to. I, I used to say not the way I would have chosen to, but unfortunately, all of the actions that I did were mine. So I kind of did choose it, even though it didn't feel like it at the time. Um, and so that was a that was a big wake up call, but probably not the biggest. So I still, you know, I, I I moved away from gambling for a little while from that, and then and then went back to it again, and and ultimately got to a place in my life where um, some of my story was leaked to the media. I, I certainly wasn't a celebrity or well known down here, but my role was quite high profile, so uh, it made a bit of a story, and um, some things got released in there that that really upset me, and. You know, that was the time when I, I did start to think, well, I've been trying to battle this for 10 years and I'm getting nowhere. And the only thing I'm doing is hurting people. Um, maybe life is better with me not in it. Um, and that was where I really got scared and decided to uh, make some changes um, and 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 really start to explore. You know, again, I was a problem solver and I really believed that if I could understand this, then I could fix it. And right. That's where the exploration started, started looking at to try and explain why an educated, a, a successful person would go down these paths. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's really where the journey turned around. I mean, that shows the strength because so many other people would just be like, you know what, I just can't do this. It's easier with me not here. And they go through with that. And, you know, it's basically like an addiction. And, you know, they're not something that you normally see with your naked eye. It's usually somebody else who points it out or the fact that you were able to see it, you know, I mean, kudos to you for, you know, sticking it out and, and, you know, figuring out what the problem was and how to fix it, you know, and that's, you know, a lot of people will benefit from that. So that's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. It's uh, yeah, look, it, it didn't feel great at the time, but I can tell yeah. you it's uh, 
you know, when you when you learn some of some of the strategies to to come out the other side, that that perspective now allows me to be grateful for that experience, notwithstanding right. it was hard at the time. But you know, it has led to some wonderful places, which which makes it very hard to be negative uh, about those those times these yeah. days. I mean, it is true. Like I had written one book about a lot of bad things that happened in my life and, you know, it, it sucks at the time, but a lot of that stuff helps you be appreciative for, you know, what do they say? You can't appreciate the rainbow without the rain. You can't appreciate good times without the bad times. I mean, you have to believe that things happen for whatever reason, but it does bring a whole new appreciation for the other side, you know? Yeah, that's true. And and I also think that, um, you know, I could have learned those lessons a different way. And, and you know, I, I could have been here. I wish I could have been here without going through what I went through, but I wasn't prepared to listen to the lessons. And, you know, I suppose that's what I like to do, especially for the, the individuals I work with these days. It's is to try and be the coach that I needed. And that is, right. you know, let's work on some things before you get to that that phase. I, I didn't yeah. need to get to that that period if I had have made different decisions earlier. Um, you know, but, but I ultimately did. And, uh, thankfully I'm on the other side. Nice. Now, I guess you often, you openly talked about your struggles with depression and gambling addictions, but now how did these challenges shape your approach to mental strength and performance coaching? Yeah, I, I think it's, um, you know, that, I mean, they're, they're a very significant part of my shift, but what they have allowed me to do over time was actually look a lot deeper uh, at the, you know, I've I've now got a master's in brain and mind sciences, so I I now try to look at systems that are that are already in place inside the human mind and inside the human brain, and to realize that a lot of these conditions, symptoms, um, what whatever people would like to call them for themselves, there is a natural reason why they exist in inside somebody, and you know, again, coming through. Uh, the the experience I didn't I didn't realize this but but understanding the exact way that the you know the emotional centers of the brain are working and the logical parts of the brain are working when when I when I work with clients or even looking at my own experience I can now sit back and quite easily map and explain the reasons why we end up where we end up it doesn't really matter what the initial trigger was it doesn't really matter what the initial trauma was um, but the fact that there is some brain mechanics that are happening inside everyone that is very similar no matter no matter what the experience that you're having and and for me I had a gambling addiction on the back of depression um, but it wouldn't have mattered if it was anxiety PTSD uh, addiction to alcohol or drugs or laziness or food they, the the gambling and the depression were more symptoms of a mechanics inside inside the mind and inside the stories that we tell ourselves and mm-hmm. you know so developing that level of understanding again for the type of people I work with myself included problem solvers like to understand that there's a reason why this is happening because if there's a reason and there's a mechanics to it then there is a solution uh, or at least a workaround that gets you to the other side and often that can take you not just from a a mental um, a mental health struggle, but it can open up a raft of better performances, whether it's in your professional life, in your athletic life, in your personal life. And probably the biggest thing I've learned now is the delineation between mental health and what I would like to call mental strength. Most people don't try and build 
their mental strength in good times. They just live their lives. And ultimately what they end up with is a mental health issue. And so my goal now is to help people understand who they are, understand what they want and understand what the processes are to ensure that they're building their mental strength on a daily basis. And that typically leads to a greater level of performance in whatever field the person determines they want to direct it to. That's awesome. Cause I've never, um, I've never heard that before. I mean, you know, I don't really study this at all, but you know, normally like from what I know, the doctors will just say, Oh, you know, you're depressed. It's gotta be family issues or whatever, but you're saying how it's like actually a mental thing that's already happening, whether you liked it or not, you know, and that kind of leads to it. Right. I mean, that's, that's cause I'm the same. I want to know why, <laughs> you know, explain this to yeah. me. And, and look, I think as opposed to a, uh, you know, as opposed to a genetic or a chemical um, uh, issue that, that is existing, which, you know, I, I don't discount that they, they may be there. The brain works in a pretty standard or typical way time after time after time. Like it's, it's uh, for most people, the brain will work in exactly the same way. And in particular for this, it, it does get very, um, it's actually quite a simple, you can break it down to quite simple terms. And you know, we have a program that we are designed to run on. And then we have an emotional center um, that it, that works five times faster than our logical brain. Um, and then we have our logical mind. And at all times, our emotional center and our logical brain are responsible for informing the program of what to do. And eventually the program gets told enough times that this is what I do. It stops asking the question. Mm -hmm. And unfortunately for most people, we act instinctively from our emotional center, which means something happens and I look to survival mechanisms, fight or flight. That's typically what your depressions and anxieties and addictions are all coming from. And what we're failing to do is allow our logical brain to actually have a, a, a piece of the conversation to say, hang on a minute, that's not what I want to be doing right now. And, and the brain doesn't understand context. So when I'm sitting in traffic, and I'm getting annoyed and I'm getting anxious, the brain doesn't know whether you're sitting in traffic or you know having a fight with a coworker or your partner's come home late. And it just knows that this pattern is what I've created. And what I try and help people do is, the term I use is build while the big dog sleeps. You've got to try and build systems while your emotional center is, you know, is, is relaxed or is calm. Right. And that way, at least when you get into an emotional state, you've at least got a dog in the fight. Your logical brain can go, hang on a minute. We don't want to be doing this right now. Can we come up with a, another solution? Right. And, you know, it's it seems simple, um, but it's just not easy to do. Right. Well, that's awesome. It's a nice different take on it, which is great. So yeah. I guess with your expertise in the psychology of peak performance and leadership, what are some common misconceptions people have about achieving peak mental states? Yeah. Uh, I think the biggest misconception that people uh, that people face when dealing with this is the fact that they can achieve a peak mental state and stay in it forever. Uh, and, and I think the, the there is, unfortunately, what happens is people identify this mental state that they want to be in or this peak condition that they want or even a peak performance that they're looking at. And even by definition, the term peak implies that there is a drop-off at some point. Right. But, you know, if any peak has a, it, like it, it only has a peak because it goes up one way and down the other side. So, right. but what we fail to do in our, 
in our thought process is understand that on the back end of the peak, there will be some, some downside. And then when people hit a level of peak performance and it drops off, they start to wonder what's wrong with me. What do I need to do to go further? How do I get better again? Or how does it stay there? And, you know, again, for things like, like, (laughs) yeah, I feel like like a failure, failure. you know, I, yeah, I won and now I'm losing. Um, You know, I, I, I got the thing I wanted and now I don't feel great about it. Uh, And, you know, I I think, again, I I think there's a misconception around the term peak performance. It, It is something that people use and assume that once I hit it, I will stay there. Mm-hmm. Um, they also assume that once they hit it, they will stay there by not doing any more work. <laughs> and unfortunately, peak performance is a process. Uh, and I often talk about resilience being a dance, but so too is peak performance. And what that means is you move in and out of it. Um, I like to use the term optimum performance or optimal performance these days because it, it can imply that you can stay high-ish for a, a longer period of time. Um, but I do think the misconception is that, uh, A, once I achieve it, I will keep it, and B, I will keep it by not doing any more work. Um, and and often that is because a lot of people are set up for a goal-specific mindset instead of a process-specific mindset. And so once I hit my goal, I have no more objective, um, whereas if you can shift the, the narrative to become a process-driven um, uh, outcome or or, 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 um, or strategy, you always have something to keep moving towards. It's your process that that drives you. It's your process that you need to be accountable to. And um, you know, I, I think that's where a lot of people see success and feel like that it is a permanent uh, it's a permanent status. Yeah, especially nowadays with um, you know, I guess like post COVID, everybody became an entrepreneur and everything was remote, and it just seems like the whole landscape of work changed. And those who, like always say, a lifelong learner, those who are constantly evolving and keeping up at the times, so they're the ones that are going to succeed. But so many people just, like you say, they just felt, okay, you know, I made it and that's good. That's all I have to do. Times are changing. And if you're not keeping up with everything, you know, then you have yourself to blame because you have to evolve, you know? Yeah, yeah there's, a, there's a great quote that says, the man who loves to walk will go further than the man who loves the destination. Yeah. And, um, you know, some parts of what I do is help people learn how to love the walk, how to love the process, how to use the process as your as your goal. Because if you if you complete the process every day, you will hit your goal. There's no there's no doubt about that, providing your process is, is right. But but, you know, if you if you would like to lose 10 kilos or 10 or 20 pounds, um, if you do the pro, if you eat right and that's your goal, if you exercise right and that's your goal. Then one day in six months' time, you look back and you've gone way past where you thought you right. might have been able to achieve. But if you think that twenty losing twenty pounds is your goal, two things are going to happen. Every day that you haven't lost twenty pounds, you're going to believe that you failed, right. and the moment you've lost twenty pounds, you're going to stop. And that's why people end up yo-yoing is because yeah. they become accountable to the goal and not the process. And it's exactly the same in business. It's the same in sport. It's the same in health. Um, and it's, yeah, it's, it's, a, it's an issue that, or it's a misconception, I suppose, that, that, um, that people um, follow time after time. No, I like this. I mean, it's definitely, I mean, you, you can, um, you know, these are all proven, you know, so people can't just, yeah, yeah nice. 
So I guess what are some key strategies or tools that you recommend to high performers to overcome obstacles and optimize outcomes in both their um, professional and personal lives? Yeah, I, I like to go deeper. I mean, there, there's plenty of tactics that yeah you can you can find on the internet, and all of them are very beneficial. And and anything from um, you know mindful practices and breath work and and journaling and and all of these tactics that you yeah. know are very beneficial. Uh, and even if they're um, I'll say performance specific, so there's you know there's definitely tasks that no matter what field you're in, there are some specific. Uh, tactics that you can use to improve your performance. One of the greatest difficulties with those, however, is they're often not built on the right foundation or they're not built on any foundation or at least not a conscious foundation. And so eventually doing the breath work daily, whilst it is of benefit, has there's no tie to it. It's not tied to any uh, any increase in performance. So you feel good for a while and you'll feel good if, forever if you keep doing it, but right. you don't have a, a compass point by which to attach it to. And so no matter whether or not it's a it's a professional golfer that's looking to improve their putting game, uh, mm-hmm. a business person who is looking to increase their bottom line or their work-life balance or be um, have a lot more fulfillment in their family life, um, to me, it all starts with the foundation. It starts with building a very clear and specific understanding of who you are as a person um, and a very specific understanding of what you want out of your circumstance and out of your life. Those two things become your North Star and therefore all of your decisions can be made around those two concepts. The thing that that adds to people is that when you do your breath work or when you do your tactics that you're going to implement, they are actually now tied into a system or tied into a foundation. And it also allows people <clears throat> what where a lot of high performers go wrong is at work, they're a particular type of person. At mm-hmm. home, they're a particular type of person. With their friends, they're a particular type of person. Out For drinks, they're a different person. On the golf course, they're a okay. different person. This becomes very challenging and and it also takes you in four, five or six different directions. Ultimately, if you can bring that back to one clear identity, that identity then goes with you. And I know why I'm standing over this part to make it. I know why I'm making this business decision. I know why I'm spending this time with my family. And that clarity allows performances to improve, whether it's professional or personal. No, no matter where they are. And it also allows you to be a lot more comfortable uh, with who you are, where you are in life and where you're moving towards. I mean, that is good because I mean, so many people like you'll say, well, who are you? And they're like, well, I'm a really hard worker and I work in this. That, that's what you do. But who are you? Like a lot of people just, they are, I'm a mom, but who are you? You know, so they they have their title, but I guess, yeah, understanding who you are and then making that your foundation is is pretty huge. So a lot of people just don't even think about that. <laughs> no, it yeah. becomes it becomes like autopilot. You know, we started mm-hmm. something at eighteen, and we followed what societal norms told us. Is was right. I needed to get promoted? I needed to make this amount of money or some level of more money. Have mm-hmm. this car, this house, and uh, you know, we just get on autopilot and forget to ever ask the question. You know, again, who am I? And and if a little tip for people, if you 
if I was to ask you that question and one of your first two sentences is something to do with your job or your family, then you need to revisit the who are you question because right. you're right. That is what you do. Even being a mum, being a dad, being married, you know, it might feel like who you are, but right. those are things that you do. You you are you do being a mum. You know, you, you yeah. there might be a, an internal feeling about it, but start to look at the characteristics that make you up that you can take everywhere with you. You know, what usually they're you know, they might be tied to values and beliefs, and that becomes who you are. And right. and then you can start to make decisions. What would this person do in this moment? And mm-hmm. if you are feeling depressed, or for me having a gambling addiction, I at least get to ask the question, and I have my values on my on my phone. What would that version of Gary do? Would he yeah. would he have this bet right now? What what would he feel? What would he understand? What would he ask? What questions would he ask? Mm-hmm. And it just allows you to, again, in that high pressure moment, remove the emotion from it and create have a logical, conscious basis for which to make your choices. Mm-hmm. And nine times out of ten, you know, the human logical brain is right. It's just that the emotional brain gets in the way. Yeah, <laughs> that stupid brain, I know. <laughs> yeah. But it is, it's, it's I mean, you know, it, it, I don't know if it's a protective mechanism or what, but the emotional brain always, always interferes with everything. And it's, it is it's good the reason why we're still, <laughs> look, to be fair to it, none of the thoughts are unnatural, right? Sometimes they're unhelpful, yeah. but the emotional brain is the single biggest reason why we're still alive as a species today. Yeah. So it's very, again, it's very hard to be dirty on the emotional brain. It's required <laughs> to drive us forward. It's required to keep us alive. Yeah. Um, but now that we have the frontal cortex part of our brain, uh, it would be wrong of us to not use it uh, when we yeah. had the opportunity. So uh, sometimes the conversations inside your mind are more important than the ones outside your mind. Yeah, no, because I've had people tell me, take the emotion out of it. Logically, what would you do? You know, and it's like, all right, <laughs> Yeah. And one of the, again, one of the biggest dramas that people face is that they try and do that in the emotional moment. And often it's too hard. And and the analogy I use is if you've, if you've got kids or you've had kids and at some stage when those kids were three years old, they wanted ice cream at dinner time. And if you try and argue with a three-year-old about (laughs) ice cream at dinner time, then good luck. And (laughs) You know, we, we joke about that being a three-year-old's tantrum, but that's exactly what our adult emotional brain is doing when we make decisions that we don't want to be making, right? We And if you're in the heat of battle, so for me, when I was gambling, when I had a, when I had an issue with gambling, once the process started in my head that this is now an emotional process that I need to gamble to survive, right? Mm-hmm. Whatever survival to my brain meant, but I, I am hurting and I need this to cope. Right. it's very difficult, if not impossible, to have a rational conversation with yourself in that moment. All of those conversations need to be held when your emotional brain is uh, is is lowered, when your emotional brain is relaxed. So that's why, again, build while the big dog sleeps. You have to do the work when you are not emotional right. so that when the emotion kicks off, you've actually got a chance to say, hang on, we've worked on this. We know right. the right thing to do, as hard as it might be. We can now have a logical conversation based around who I am and what I want to achieve. Right, building that muscle. <laughs> yeah, nice. that's right. It is. It's just it's just the muscle, and it, and the the more your logical brain gets a chance to imprint on the program, over time it becomes instinctive. Right. Yeah. It's it's in it's 
it's only instinctive because a program has been written and we just have to take the opportunity to rewrite the program. Uh, and the same way that you build an addiction is the same way you get out of it, except getting out of it is a conscious process and getting in it is often an emotional, uh, unconscious process. Good. Now, how has your master's in brain and mind science influenced your coaching methods and I guess the advice that you give to your clients? Yes, yeah, it's, it's been very beneficial. I mean, again, you know, I work with people who are um, who are high performers, who are action takers, who are problem solvers. They want to understand things. Often, once they have the understanding, they, they they've got the answers themselves, but they just don't have the understanding. And you know, to be fair, neuroscience and psychology even can be very complicated in terms of their language, um, mm-hmm. in terms of their words, and and. To be honest, even though I've got a master's in it, I probably don't understand most of it myself. But right. one area where it's really benefited me is the ability to take something that is complex and transfer that information into common vernacular, I suppose, or a a, a method of language that can be understood by the people I work with. You know, if I work with a builder, I will talk about building a foundation and and how a, a house built without a foundation of, of concrete is going to topple over. Um, right. You know, and and it allows me to build analogies like the emotional big dog, and understanding that this is how the brain has worked over millions of years, and transferring that uh, that technical into something that is quite usable for most people and actionable. And mm-hmm. once it becomes actionable and easy to understand, again, most people I work with, they want to get, part of my language, they want to get shit done. They don't want yeah. to worry about looking at, you know, what happened when I was eight and what happened when right. I was 15 and, and all of these sorts of things. They just, they know there's a problem and they want to know how to understand it and how mm-hmm. to solve it. And nine times out of 10, they'll solve it because that's what they do. They're successful people in their own right and successful people solve problems. So yeah, the the, the um, formal education part, not only has been a great understanding for me, but has allowed me to really link um, what is evolutionary pathways in our brain um, to successful outcomes for the clients. I mean, yeah, I mean, if they definitely, if they, the fact that they can say I need help, it's half the battle because now you want to help yourself and having someone, like I said, someone who's been there, you know, it just has so much more validation. And because I know even with like counselors and whatnot, not everybody's the same. And, you know, it, you can always tell when someone's just reading a boilerplate or what they learned in school. But when you have someone who physically knows what you've been through, because, you know, I was there too. And not someone who, you know, is this millionaire. It's, you know, you're just like, yeah, you're getting rich off of me. I've had everything and I've lost everything. I know where you're at. You know, I mean, that to me would be like, oh my God, you're my best friend. Now I know you can help me because you've been in my shoes, you know? Uh-huh. Yeah. And there's, there's an element of safety too, because again, high performers fear being judged or they fear failing. Yeah. And you, when you walk into somebody's office and, and, you know, quite rightly, you don't know whether the psychologist you're talking to has had difficulties in their life. Most of them yeah. probably have, but it's not their role to exp- express those right. to you. And so there's always a part of you that's a bit guarded when you go in. This is certainly my experience. And um, and also, too, when you go in, you go in with the uh, with, with the the feelings that you have on the day. So if you're having a bad day, you might yeah. vent a little bit more about different things. If you're having a good day, 
you, you may not share as many things. Yeah. One of the really great benefits of having lived through it is I know the lies. Right. And not that they're intentional <laughs> lies, but I know what people tell themselves about how they get through. Right. Um, I know what it feels like. I, it's not even that I, I know what it looks like or I, I know what it, the experience is. I know what it feels like. And fortunately, uh, you know, I, I've been gifted, I suppose, with an ability to transfer that feeling or at least express that feeling in a way that clients will will say to me, like, how do you know? Yeah. And, you know, the simple fact is I know because I've been there. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, you know, that that does build trust, that builds rapport. Yeah. And it also allows somebody to say, you know what, this guy is not going to judge me because he's, he's been there and issues, I'm happy yeah. to share mine. If that helps somebody yeah. feel a bit more comfortable with me, then um, I am more than happy to, um, you know, to share that part because it's it's still a learning experience for me. Every client I have, I learn more right. about myself. Right. And and I find it a fascinating conversation. I don't do counselling sessions the way counselling sessions are done. I've never done one in an office. <laughs> I do them over coffee. I do them right. over steak. I do them over golf um, because now it's just two blokes trying to solve a problem, right. not uh, one person sharing their problems with another. Yeah. And it makes you real. I mean, I know everybody, you know, everybody likes their own different approach, but, you know, I like having like a real human, you know, someone who you've already proven yourself. So you're not like someone who's just saying, okay, you're holding your cup looking for food. You know, you, you've overcome everything. You're a real person. And to me that the fact that I, you know, you're living by examples, you can show people how you can overcome this. I didn't think I could either. And I did it. And I'm going to help you do the same, you know, that gives you a lot more validation, you know, so good stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Now, from your experience running the Australian Prime Minister's Protection Team, what are some crucial leadership lessons that you learned that are applicable in everyday life and business? Yeah, I, I, I probably come back to something I, I touched on a little before, and that is the the leaders that I have worked with. The you know, the, I suppose the real pointy end leaders. You're talking about somebody running a country. Um, they are very clear, very clear, and very specific about who they are and what they want out of their lives in their in both their professional lives and their personal lives they they are very conscious about decisions they make um they are you know constantly reviewing and 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 reflecting on um who they are and where they're going and where does this decision fit in with where I'm going to be the great thing about that is decisions get made a lot less emotionally. Now, it's not yeah. to say that emotional decisions are always bad, yeah. but typically um, the ones that the, the decisions that we regret the most are typically more emotionally fueled. Yeah. And if we can create more consciousness about our decisions and we can uh, make them more logically towards a specific, not just an abstract goal or objective then success is going to come at some way shape or form and at the very least you're going to be comfortable knowing that you made decisions for the right reasons uh even if it goes bad you have that level of comfort that this was the best decision i could make with the information i have available and so it is it is very clear to me that for all the people I've worked with around the world, even learned from and even studied, 
the most successful people in the world at everything they do, whether it's the most successful father, you know, that this is not about money or status, the most successful, you know, council worker, uh, the most successful mom, the most successful relationships, they all come from a very clear and specific understanding of who you are and what you want. Right. Yeah. I mean, that is important in everything in life, you know, your job, because, you know, like you said, sometimes maybe growing up, you were told, you know, you have to do this, get a job, you know, make good money. And it could be something that you really like, let's just say, um, I don't know, I'm, I'm this nature lover, blah, blah, blah. And now I'm working with, I don't know, an oil company, you know, and finding out who you really are. Maybe I could realize that that's part of why I've never been so happy because this has nothing to do with what I even like. This goes against what I like, you know? So it all comes from that foundation of who you are and really, you know, understanding that and being, I guess, in a better position to say, okay, what is it that's going to make me happy? You know, it goes a long way and you help bring that out. So that's pretty good. Yeah. And it also it allows you to sustain success. I mean, you, you can be successful doing something you don't like and you can you can bite down and grind it out for 50 years and be miserable and still be successful in some way, shape or form in, in, yeah. in terms of money or in terms of status. But if you if you make decisions based on who you are genuinely and where you are, uh, where you would like to go in life, success becomes a lot more sustainable because it's no longer about an outcome. It's getting you back to that loving the walk you know it, this is the path that i am on and i will stay on this path for the rest of my life it does, there is no end to the path and i don't think that's a negative um you know connotation i i, I don't want the path to end i want yeah. to keep gro uh, growing i want to keep building i want to keep finding new things that uh enrich me and also too if you do if you do go through the work and you happen to be in a job that doesn't necessarily fulfill you Often a shift in perspective allows you to, you don't have to leave your job, especially if, if it's a job that is providing your family security and is providing money or, or whatever it is that you're looking for. Right. But if you understand who you are and what you want, you can also very easily understand that that job is now a tool or a vehicle to allow you to take your kids to soccer three times right. a week on, you know, and, and once on the weekend, you know, if, or, or live in the house that you, you know, you would like to make sure that in a secure area, in a secure neighborhood. Now, all of a sudden, the job that I don't like actually has some meaning. And, and going to that job now has some purpose. You know, right. we might be miserable in our job, but if we can now, if we can look at who I am and what I want out of life, I can actually put that job in there somewhere and say, this job has its purpose. Right. This job is providing me the ability to have every weekend off with my family or so this job is providing me. Yeah. The yeah. ability to, if I, if I love the environment, because I have this job, I am able to on weekends go and clean up the beaches, right? If I didn't have this job, I wouldn't be able to travel or live right. near the beach or, or do any of those things. Now, right. if the job that you're doing is diametrically opposed to the morals that you have, then <laughs> probably understanding that is of benefit as well. Um, but it's not always the case that the thing you don't like, you have to stop right. because it may well have a place in in helping you achieve the thing that you do want. Right. And instead of you being miserable and upset or sad about it, you're helping them to see the bright side of it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like how, how great is this that this job that I don't particularly like lets mm -hmm. me go on a six-week holiday every year around the world, which 
my family loves and that fulfills me and I'm prepared to put up with the other, uh, you know, 40, <laughs> 46 weeks of the year in order to have this six weeks. Some people are, some people aren't, but at least now your decision is conscious and logical. Okay. It's nice. not just I'm on the treadmill <laughs> and I'll just keep doing whatever I've been doing. Okay. That's how it says, an ambassador for the Australian and New Zealand Mental Health Association, what message do you most want to convey about mental health, especially in high-pressure environments? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I suppose it's uh, it was quite a, an honour, especially having gone through a lot of the things that I've been through to be invited or, or accepted as an ambassador for the Australian New Zealand Mental Health Association. Um, and I, I get the luxury of, of talking to uh, people all around the world about mental health and, and specifically about addiction. Um, I, I think that, and, and I, I probably will target this more specifically at people in the high performance fields, because I understand that, you know, that whilst there is some crossover for a lot of people, there, there are differences in the way that people will understand themselves. And I, I think that the message that uh, I wish I had have learned earlier was about building a conscious mental strength on a foundation of of, of who I was, a foundation of identity, yeah. and often putting off that practice leads to me mental ill health. And the issue that a lot of high performers have is putting things into compartments in their head saying that they'll deal with those later or not deal right. with those at all. And, and having a clear understanding of who you are allows you to speak to somebody about what you're feeling. Uh, mental ill health, for me, depression and gambling addiction ultimately was a, uh, a depth that I found because I didn't understand who I was 10 years earlier. Uh, it's it's very controversial of me, I think, to say, but I believe that all mental health is self-made. I, I I do understand that there are some chemical and genetic issues or elements that that play a part. However, I know that people experience some trauma, and on day one of my depression, it may not have been self-made. But every day after that, that I chose not to work on my mental strength was my responsibility. And I accept that people have struggles in their life and those struggles lead to bad, um, you know, bad emotional states or bad feelings. But every day that you don't do something about it or you don't build your mental strength or you don't take the opportunity to understand who you are and and take make decisions in, uh, in aid of supporting that person, you are contributing to your own mental ill health. And so the message that I would like to share with a lot of high performers is this is a performance tool. This, this isn't a mental health uh, awareness campaign. Uh, this isn't a um, help to fix yourself if you are struggling. Now, if you are, then certainly you need to speak to somebody. Right. But, but working on your mental strength is actually a performance enhancer. If you are looking for long-term sustained success in your personal and professional life, right. taking a mental strength approach is going to be better for your outcomes long-term. So if you want to be successful, this is just a tool. Right. This is no different than lifting weights if you want to be a professional athlete. It's no different than learning your sums if you want to be a professional uh, you know, a, a business person. 
Right. And so that's, uh, yeah, again, I, I, I highlight that that is a message, I suppose, to more high performers, but anybody can use that system to get better. Now, what do you think? Because I know some people who they don't see it themselves that they have issues, um, but other people do. So for someone who doesn't think that they have any problems, if everybody around you seems to think you do, in theory, that should be something you should acknowledge and listen to, no? Or do they have to physically see it themselves to realize that they need this help? Well, I, I suppose there's, there's probably two answers to that question. If everybody else sees it, that's probably true. Yeah. Um, uh, however, making any change it relies on the individual, um, not necessarily recognizing that there's a problem, but wanting to be better. Right. And, and probably, again, the message that I would like to share with people is, I don't care if you think you have a mental health problem. Right. If you want to improve your life, then work on your mental strength. Don't, don't even worry about going to see somebody about a mental health problem. You don't have to rock up to the psychologist and tell them that you're depressed or anxious or worry about doing the test. If that's not where you're at right now, Mm-hmm. then work on your mental strength so that your performance improves, that your mm-hmm. business life improves, that your family life improves, that your athletic life improves. Mm-hmm. Work on the mental strength side. I, I, I come from a very firm place that uh, working on building mental strength will ultimately overcome the mental health issue. Um I have a theory. I, I, well, I wrote about this in my book, certainly my my own experience. The first question was, how the hell did I get here? And the second is, how the hell do I get out? And I've found time and time again, especially for my clients and myself, the how did I get here part is largely irrelevant. The how do I get out part is the most important thing. And therefore, it's all about focusing forward. If you create a compelling enough vision of the future, your past will become a lot smaller in the rearview mirror. Mm. Um, There is a misconception that we will or we need to get over our past or forget our past or or it doesn't exist. Not going to happen. Your brain is too powerful for that. It will always be there. But if if, if if, if there's two things for you to look at and one is more compelling than the other, your brain will also be naturally drawn to the most compelling thing in your mind. If you can create a compelling enough vision of the future and you can, everybody can, then the thing of the past becomes a lot smaller in comparison. And yes, it will come up from time to time, but because you are so focused on where you are going next, it just becomes less relevant. Uh, It becomes less important and it becomes a, it becomes a, a, a real strong part of where you're going. If you've been through some trauma and some uh, some heartache or some some struggle, that's actually the resilience and the strength that builds the next phase of where you're going. Right. And starting to look at it with gratitude, A, re- re- um, reduces its power over you and B, allows you to use it to fuel where you're going to go to next. So um, yes, if people around you are starting to identify that you have a problem, Perhaps have the um, have the awareness enough to at least ask the question of yourself: Do I? Um, but if you aren't yet there, because I wasn't for a long time, right. just start making some choices to build your mental strength for your performance sake, and mm-hmm. and see what happens. Well said. 
Now, based on your personal experience and professional expertise, what advice would you give to someone struggling with an addiction, whether it's gambling or something else? I won't go back to the figure out who you are part. I've said that probably <laughs> enough. Um, it, it, it is the it's the first step I do with everybody. I don't care who you are, where you are, whether you're on uh, bouncing off rock bottom or on the edge of greatness. The very first step is to figure out who you are deep down, not who you tell yourself you are, not who you are pretending to be, not who other people tell you you are, but a real brutal, honest appraisal of who you are. Again, not the person you've been acting as, right? Not the depressed person or the gambling person uh, or the angry person. Just because you've been acting that way, that's generally not who you are. The question is, who would you be if your emotions couldn't get in the way, if your emotions could not get in the way, who would you be? And then make every effort possible to take steps towards that person. Mm -hmm. It's as simple as that. It's not easy, but it is genuinely as simple as that. If you understand who you would be without your emotion, if the emotions couldn't get in the way and every day you do things that that person would do, then one day you'll wake up and you'll be that person. Yeah. it's good i mean a lot of people don't don't you know it's easy for the typical psychologist to start with when you were a kid you know bringing a like your family did this but it, it does stem with you and i mean that's all really valid if you don't know who you are and where you come from i mean it's kind of hard to create that better path yeah and, and look i speak in absolutes mostly because i want to move people not because i genuinely believe that these are absolutes right um but it's irrelevant what happened in your past. I'm sorry to say it's irrelevant because the simple fact is <laughs> the only thing that matters is where you are right now and the next thing that you do. You're only responsible for the next right thing. Now, again, as I said, I talk in absolutes, but your past is irrelevant right in this moment. Right. Um, it has some relevancy to you and to where you are going, and there is another time for you to explore that. But if you are struggling, and again, this doesn't matter if you're struggling at rock bottom or you're sitting on the edge of greatness and you just need that little tip to go over the edge, the only thing that matters and the only thing that you can do is the thing that you can do right now. And that's why I like to say that, you know, that how did I get here part becomes far less relevant to the how do I get out, the how do I move forward, the how do I make the next step. And, you know, it, it's it's very difficult because that's not, that's not the system that we're built up in. And, and a lot of people early in this journey need somebody to put their arm around them to say, it's okay. You know, this, these things happened and let's talk about it and let's, you know, but you can only talk about it for so long. Even if you are starting to talk about it, it's fantastic. Talk therapy is proven. It works. It helps, but you still have to do something where you are right now is where you are irrespective of how you got here or why you are here. And um, again, I, I'm fortunate enough to work with action takers and problem solvers mm -hmm. that really resonate with that message. They don't want to spend hours and weeks and months and years exploring why they got here because all they're going to do is take a year and they're still in the same place and maybe mm -hmm. worse. Yeah. Uh, so if you are engaging in some form of talk therapy, fantastic, keep it going, but also start to take steps towards that person that you want to become, that person that you can be proud of. Uh, figure out what does that person do every single day and then start doing that. Start doing it small, it's fine, one thing at a time, but start doing it.
I mean, that is true. I've known people who did the talk therapy for years, didn't accomplish anything because it wasn't helping them move forward. It was just really talking about what got you here. And this this one's blaming this one, this one's blaming. And it's just, that's where it ended. It just, <laughs> it never, you know, proceeded further. Oh, yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it has a place. As I said, it, it's it's fantastic. There's there's certainly no no knock on it from me, but right. um this is a this is a toolbox that you need to have multiple tools in. And and one of them may be talk therapy for you, but one of them definitely has to be some form of action to move forward. If, if in the absence of moving forward, um you, you will struggle for a very, very long time. Right. Mm. So I guess, what are your future goals, both as a coach and an individual? And how do you see your role evolving in the field of mental health and peak performance? Yeah, I mean, my own personal goals are, um, you know, they're, 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 I suppose they're multifaceted at the moment. I've just been uh, invited and uh, almost just short of being accepted uh, to doing a PhD next year. Uh, so as a as a 47 year old, uh, you know, going back to uni again, um, uh, right. this, it'll be working <laughs> In, in the in the field of psychology and uh, on conscious decision making, um, I'll, I'll be working around the gambling field. And again, that's probably a um, a little nod to the work that I've been able to do in myself. And not too many addicts can go back to their own field without being triggered. Um, you know, so I'm I'm fortunate enough that, or it's probably evidence enough that the work that I do uh, does work. Um, yeah. And I did some research in gambling last year and, and I'm pretty confident that uh, that won't be a trigger for me. So on a personal note, the, the PhD will be um, something that is very important to me. Right. Um, I, I suppose trying to create an impact around the world and moving away from the, the mental ill health conversation and into the mental strength and really using mental strength for peak performance. I want. I do want people to understand that this is a performance tool. When you are at the upper levels of your field, again, whether that field is parenting, relationships, whether it's business, entrepreneurship, or athletics, when you are at the upper echelon or you want to be at the upper echelon, it is the mental game that makes the difference. Everybody in your field has very similar physical capabilities or skills or, you know, all of those things are out there. The difference is the mental game, um, the mental strength and, and really trying to, uh, you know, push with, with businesses as well. I work with companies and I work with teams as well as individuals to understand that mental strength is a performance enhancer. This isn't just a matter of, of reactive, um, reactive systems when things break down they're proactive measures as an insurance tool to make Mm -hmm. sure they don't break down and as a performance tool to make sure that where you're at can be better and uh, I've been lucky enough to work with a lot of people we're building programs for athletes for veterans as well this is a a very big space for um, for veterans who are struggling with identity and building a life post career uh, and, and business people, so that's where my uh, my head is at for uh, yeah, for for the next uh, well next twelve months, maybe three years, and um, yes. also got myself a young family as well. And nice. I'm fortunate enough again. I've done this work on myself. People tell me I'm too busy. Mm-hmm. I feel like I've never had more time available because I know who I am. I know where I'm going, and I know where it all fits. And uh, yeah, that's uh, uh, that's my plan. Uh, I'm 47 now. By the time I'm 50. 
um, people will hopefully realize that things don't just happen when you're 50. They happen when you're 47 and you start <laughs> taking the journey. Nice. Very nice. Now you work, um, I know you mentioned golf and eating, but you work with people around the world, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I, I've, I've got a, a lot of clients in, in the UK, in the US uh, and in Australia, probably the three main countries that, um, that, that I work with. Okay. Um, very fortunate. Sorry for those that in Australia that I'm about to say this, but uh, the US does tend to be a little bit more advanced in their acceptance and understanding of performance <laughs> coaching um, and, and mental strength, at least more willing to engage in it for personal mm-hmm. development and growth. Um, but yes, it's it's getting a, a little bigger down here in Australia as well. So uh, individuals that are either struggling, uh, struggling and looking for ways to move forward or just can't get past a, a certain barrier in their life or their performance is typically where I work. Um, teams that are looking to build an edge over um, over competitors uh, and also businesses that are trying to uh, inculcate a, a level of mental well-being and mental strength uh, in a way that resonates with uh, with their staff, uh, not in your necessarily textbook uh, manner. It comes from a textbook but it's actionable, it's practical, and it's things that people can uh, implement day after day for uh, for improved performance. Nice. Now, is there anything else you want to talk about that you're working on that's going on or did we cover everything or anything else you want to touch on? No, look, I, I think we've covered uh, a lot. We, we've uh, we've certainly uh, gone around the around the grounds <laughs> on, a, on a whole bunch of things that I do. And, um, you know, I, I've, I've really enjoyed the conversation. I, I you know, the, the main reason that I'm doing a PhD, I said to my supervisor when she asked, was I I would do this anyway. I, I'm I you know my my downtime is this. I I love it. Um, nice. You know I love researching. I love the brain and the mind and knowing that we have control over uh, over where we are and where we're going and our yeah. our performance and our and our skill enhancement is really entrenched in you know in 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 who we are, the thoughts we have, and and that there's a there's a mechanical system that we get to control if we make those choices. So I appreciate having the conversation. As I said, I would do this all day, every day, if I could. No, very. I'm learning so much. (laughs) So I think it's awesome. So how could people get a hold of you or learn more about you? Yeah, look, the the best way is um, my name, Gary Fay. It's F-A-H-E-Y. If you, if you Google it, um, there might be some bad stuff from 10 (laughs) years ago that's still in there, but most of it's good stuff these days. Uh, you'll find my website. It's GaryFay.com, um, specifically for the uh, high performance coaching. Uh, we're also building out some uh, some coaching group coaching programs for men, um, which my other business is Strong Mend M E N D, um, and that's my Instagram as well or, or Facebook is Strong Mend. Um, people want to connect on LinkedIn. Um, my name, uh, if you, you'll probably find me somewhere around the traps and. <laughs> You know, if, if anybody is interested in having a conversation, if you don't happen to be in Brisbane, I usually shout people a coffee just to <laughs> say good day and, and share a bit of my story or see if I can help you build a strategy. Um, certainly no obligation. If if people, if teams or businesses are interested, uh, send me a message. I'll shout you a virtual coffee if I can and Thanks. spend a half hour, hour trying to help you build a strategy. And again, no obligation, but, uh, you know, I just love doing this stuff and um, I really appreciate the chance to talk to more people. Peace. 
Well, thank you again for being on the show. Again, that was Gary Fade. So thanks for listening to Successful Minds with Patty B. Never miss an episode by subscribing to the show. So thank you again. Thank you for listening to Successful Minds with your host, Patricia Barnowski-Schneider. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.